18 to verse 25. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to verse number 25. We're going to start a new series on Jesus is the Reason. I know it's a very cliche, perhaps, saying, but it's still truth nonetheless. And I hope this month, as we study the Christmas story, as we study different aspects of it, I pray that God would speak to us and encourage us and might even challenge us in, in areas of our lives that, uh, as we study His Word, would, would bring us more to be more Christ-like in our in our character and in our person, but also that we would be an encouragement to others as we apply God's word into our life. So Matthew chapter number one, verse 18 to verse 25. And uh, I told my wife this morning, I said, it's going to be a really short message. I don't really have a long message. And she says, well, it has the potential to be short because I say that all the time and then I go like an hour. So uh, I, I promise I will try to make it short this morning. There's just a, a few thoughts as I study this passage that uh, really stood out, and I hope they're an encouragement to you as we, uh, as we start this Christmas season. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that now as we study this passage that you would speak to our hearts and to our minds, that we would be receptive this morning. That we would block anything that would be distracting in our minds, but that we would just be totally focused on what your word is saying this morning. That we would not only understand your word, but that we would apply it into our lives. May your Holy Spirit uh, illuminate us and may your spirit also search our hearts and see if there's areas in our hearts that we need to change. Attitudes that need to be different now as we end this year, as we get into this Christmas season. I pray that you would challenge us by your word even this morning. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Jesus is truly the reason for the season. As we live in a world where people are trying to change the meaning and purpose of Christmas, I want to encourage you this morning to remember that Jesus is the, re uh, the reason, the meaning, the purpose of Christmas. Jesus is the reason why we worship and praise Him during this time of Christmas. Now, I know that the world wants to try to change what uh, Christmas is all about. They want to sort of say that it's about gifts and it's about being loving to one another and it's just about caring for mankind. But you know that Christmas, though it involves all of those things, that's not what we celebrate. 
What we celebrate at Christmas is the birth of Jesus Christ, the birth of the Savior of the world. He is the purpose of Christmas. And people are out there that do not like this. In fact, a few years ago, the American Atheist Organization paid $20,000 for a billboard there in North Bergen, New Jersey. The, the sign had a silhouette of, these, of the three, of course, Magi, the three wise men as they were approaching the nativity. And there was these big words on this billboard and it says, you know it's a myth. This season, celebrate reason. That was the billboard that the atheists put there in New Jersey. And the whole purpose of it was to encourage atheists to try to stop celebrating Christmas and don't make Christmas be something of a Christian holiday. It's just a holiday where we just love one another. And let me just say that though there are people that have uh, that meaning, that purpose behind what they want to do at Christmas, the true meaning of Christmas is that Jesus, the Savior of the world, was born in Bethlehem. And that is what we celebrate this morning. Now, as you study this passage in the book of Matthew, you find that, that Matthew, also known as Levi, uh, if you read the scriptures, he was a, a man, he was a tax collector that uh, came one day uh, that Jesus visited him. He came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, became a follower and disciple of Jesus. And now we find many years later, he's writing this gospel uh, about Jesus Christ. And he starts from the very beginning. As you read the first verse of Matthew chapter 1, you find the genealogy or the beginnings of, of Jesus Christ as, as his uh, earthly lineage is given there. And, and as his, uh, Matthew is just trying to prove that Jesus is the king of the Jews, that Jesus is that one that was promised, that promised Messiah that was going to come down the lineage of David. And, and he takes the time to write down each father and who their son was and who their son was and goes down all the generations up to Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. And he, he proves as Jesus is that king of the Jews. Now this morning, as we study on these last few verses from 18 to 25, I want you to notice something else that Matthew tells us. Not only does he prove that Jesus came from the lineage of David and he truly is the king of the Jews, but he begins the Christmas story and, and, he, and, he, and he begins to share some things about that story that I think are relevant for us today and important for us to understand. And so I want to give you three truths this morning that this passage tells us about why Jesus is the reason for the season. Why Jesus is the reason that we celebrate. I want you to notice, first of all, there in your notes, Joseph's predicament. Joseph's predicament. I want you to notice in verse 18, as Matthew writes, he says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, it starts off in this story with Joseph being in a predicament in a in a place in a difficult circumstance a difficult time in his life and, and there was two reasons for this number one the bible says that he was betrothed or he was espoused to her and she was pregnant now just to give you a little bit of uh, background on what that means uh, in the jewish culture there was three stages to marriage the first stage was engagement, and usually engagement happened when they were a little bit younger. The, the two fathers would come together and say, listen, I, I want my daughter to marry your son, and, and, uh, and, and your son seems to be like a young man that can provide for my daughter. And, and, uh, and so they would have this engagement period, and it's usually around childhood or perhaps through the, uh, the, through the teenage years. And, and uh, in that time, uh, they were able to try to engage in that way, and of course, 
if the young lady did not want to be with uh, that person, didn't want to marry that person, if she had a voice, she could say no, but most of the time they would uh, accept that uh, engagement. And so that first stage of marriage was known as the engagement period. Well, after the engagement period, they would come to a day where they would come together and, and then they would be betrothed, which was the second uh, stage of marriage. In the betrothal stage, uh, they were basically all rights in the, by the law were husband and wife. All right, by, by all considerations of what the law stated, they were husband and wife. There And so as husband and as wife, and they had the ability, of course, to uh, buy and prepare themselves for marriage. And usually during that time, the husband would go and begin to prepare the home that he, they were going to live in and prepare the livestock and the ranch and everything that they were going to have. They were going to prepare that, and he would come back for his bride for the third stage. The third stage there in a marriage was actually the wedding ceremony, the, 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 uh, the final stage of marriage where uh, the uh, the marriage was excuse me, solidified by them coming together. And, and so uh, we find that in this part of, of, of Joseph's life, they're in the betrothal stage. All right? They're married legally. That's his wife, and, and he's her husband. But they haven't come together. They haven't uh, uh, consummated their marriage. They haven't slept together yet. But the problem with this is that the Bible says, but she was with child. So Joseph is seeing that this wife that he has not been with, that he is espoused to, has a child. That's a pretty big predicament. Joseph himself knows that's not my child. If that's not my child, whose is it? If she hasn't been faithful to me, the law stated in Deuteronomy chapter four, uh, 24, I'm sorry, the law states that he can divorce her. Now, that divorce was different than our divorce. They hadn't really come to marriage. Their, their engagement wasn't like our engagement. Their mar- marriage at that stage wasn't like the uh, marriages that we have today uh, at that time. Uh, and so uh, that bill of divorcement was just something that says she had not been faithful with me. We have not consummated our marriage. We haven't really come to the third and final stage, stage of marriage and and so there's this bill of divorcement that you can separate because she had been unfaithful and and Joseph apparently seeing what was going on was starting to think about that so he's in this predicament of what do I do he finds that he's betrothed and he finds that she's with child but that's only one part of his predicament the second part of the predicament was that they had not come together so she's with child and that second predicament is look at I'm not the father of that child She has been unfaithful to me. Now, I want you to notice in verse number 19, it says, And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. That word minded means intended to. So Joseph, in this predicament, was thinking, I have to get a divorce. He says, if I keep this child, then it shows that I was wrong, right? that we came together before the marriage, and that was a wrong thing to do. That wasn't accepted in their society at all. He says, so if I do that, it makes me look bad. It looks like that I sinned with her. But then, he said, but then if I, if I divorce her, the law states if she's unfaithful that they could stone her to death. So in this predicament, Joseph is thinking, all right, my, my intention here is, I got to do it privately. That's why it says there in verse 19, he, he was intending to just divorce her privately, just quietly. 
Now, why would Joseph do something like that? Well, that's what I want you to notice next. Not only his predicament, but Joseph's person. Why was he willing to do that? Well, what kind of man was Joseph? You find that Joseph, the Bible says, was a just man. That means he was a righteous man. He was someone that was trying to do what was right. He was a man that was trying to please God. He was a man that, that uh, had some morals and some values in his life. Now, I know we live in a, in a society right now where morals and values seem to be uh, forgotten and people sort of live their own way. And, and if you don't believe that, just look at Hollywood and look at the stories that are coming out in the news basically every day. It's somebody else uh, that was, you know, a child molester or doing something like that. And, and we live in a, in a society where they want to just sort of say, that's just normal. That's just what happens. That's what people do. Uh, but the Bible still says that fornication is wrong. The Bible still says that adultery is wrong. And, and Joseph, being a just man, was trying to live right. He had right morals in his life, and he wanted to please God with his life. That was the kind of character that Joseph had. I, I want you to notice that the Bible says he was a righteous man. He was a just man, but also that he was a compassionate man. You'll notice that he didn't want the worst for his wife, Mary. He wasn't going to try to make a public example of her and say, oh, you cheated on me? I cannot believe you did that. I can't believe that you're going to embarrass me this way. Don't you know that I've been working for a year? I'm trying to prepare the house for us and try to get everything ready for our, for our wedding ceremony. And, and look at you. Look what you've done. He could have easily taken her to court and easily could have made a big spectacle of everything. But he wasn't that kind of man. He was a man that was compassionate, a loving man. He said, what, what can I do to get out of this predicament so that I can remain just and righteous, but where I don't have to condemn her so openly? And it was something of a, of a right kind of person, a right kind of character that he had. Joseph not only was a man that had a predicament, not only a man that had some character and his person, but I want you to notice that Matthew also highlights Joseph's purpose. Joseph's purpose. Near the end there, uh, we find uh, that after the angel of the Lord came in a dream to him, in verse 24, it says, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel had bidden him and took unto him his wife. We find that he obeyed the message that he gave. The angel told him, listen, Joseph, the, the, the child that Mary has, it's conceived by the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God came upon her. And that child is, is not that she's been unfaithful to you. It's just simply that the Holy Ghost is using her to bring in the Savior of the world. And that child that she's bearing, his name shall be Jesus, for he shall save the, sins, uh, the, the world from its sins. And so we find that now Joseph, upon hearing this and understanding the, this vision, he, uh, he obeys it. He obeys what the angel said. The angel said, now take your wife Mary. And he obeyed the message. Then I want you to notice, not only did he take her as his wife, but then the Bible says that he received a child. He said in verse 25, and he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. We find that he adopted. You see, uh, the moment that he kept quiet, the moment that he decided he was going to obey and go through and make, uh, go through with it and make Mary his wife, then now when that child was born, it was the father's responsibility to name that child. And upon naming the child, right, in their society, upon naming that child, you were taking that child as yours. Whether it was yours or not, it didn't matter. You were taking, you had named that child. So we find that Joseph had a purpose of obeying what God had commanded him to do. Joseph had a purpose of receiving that child 
for himself. Now, I want you to notice that there are three major principles that I think we need to understand this morning as we look at what happened there in Joseph's life. As we look at, at the beginning of this Christmas story, there are three principles I want us to, to draw out from this. Number one, there in your notes, is this. God allows difficult circumstances to come into our lives for his glory. We notice that Joseph's predicament was not something that he made out of his own doing. It wasn't that Joseph was trying to live a life of, of sin. It wasn't that Joseph was trying to get in as much trouble as he could. It wasn't that Joseph was living in rebellion against God. And yet he finds himself in a predicament. Let me ask you, have you ever been there in life? You ever been one that's just minding your own business, trying to do what's right, trying to just be faithful at work and try to be a good working employee and suddenly there's problems? You ever found yourself in a, in a place where you, you're trying to avoid trouble, but it seems like trouble comes looking for you? Can I just say that in those circumstances in life, it's not always a result of your sin. That's always sometimes our first thought. What did I do to deserve this? Sometimes we see people that are in trouble, and we say, oh, we're like Job's friends. We say, oh, you know why he lost his children? It's because so, 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 so. You know why this happened to him at his house. You know why his house burned down. It's because they didn't go to church the last two months. <laughs> they deserve that. Sometimes our, our thinking has that kind of thought process. But we find that the Bible teaches us that it's not always like that. We don't always receive what we deserve. God's grace sometimes gives us more. But there are times as Christians in your, in your life on this Christian journey, you'll find there are times where difficult circumstances come in, in, into your life and it's not because of your making. You say, then why are circumstances coming into my life? Why does God allow this? It's for his glory. You see, it is a result of Christ working in your life. It's a result of Christ working in your life. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom, he foreknow, who do you, for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate, the Bible says, to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. The Romans there, I mean, what Paul is saying there in Romans is this. He says, this has come into his life. Sometimes God allows these things to come into our life, and they all work together so that we might be more Christ-like. Why? Because the more Christ-like that we are, the more glory that we can bring to Him. You see, the only way you bring glory to God is when you act Christ-like, when you live Christ-like in your life. The more that you're conformed into the image of Jesus, that means the more that you're thinking like Him, the more that you're talking like, uh, like Him, the more that you're acting like Him and living like Him, the more glory God gets. So sometimes God puts us in these circumstances just to work on us. Just to try to conform us more into the image of his son. That's why 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. What Paul is saying is just by God's spirit, we are changed more and more to be like him. God allows these circumstances to happen. And let me just say, if you can't see what God is doing in their, so, those circumstances, sometimes you just got to trust Him. That's the most important time to trust Him. In, uh, 
1999, the biggest story probably of that year was John F. Kennedy Jr. as he was flying his airplane. He was the son, of course, of the, the president, John F. Kennedy, and he had received a license to fly. He was a pilot, but the license that he had only allowed him to fly during the daytime. He couldn't fly at night. He had not gotten instruction on, on reading the instrument panel uh, in a plane, and, and if, uh, if you've ever been in a plane, you'll, you know there's a ton of instruments there, and uh, I, I, if you talk to a pilot, you'll know that if you're ever going over water, uh, you can easily lose your bearings. You can easily not only lose the direction that you're flying, but you, then you can uh, you, you forget what way is up and what way is down. And, uh, and that's because of the ocean and, and the sky, and they're both blue, and there's all these things that happen uh, with, your, with your visual, and that's why uh, it, it happens that way. And, and so you got to sort of trust your instruments. Well, at that time, uh, John F. Kennedy, he was just flying uh, right out of New York into New York City, and he thought he could make it, and, and uh, it was already nightfall, but he said, it's not too far. I, I can do it. I'm just going to go over a short body of water. And in, in that, as the investigators uh, later found out, he, he, uh, he didn't know how to read his instruments, and he got disoriented, and he wrecked the plane. And him and his sister and one other person died in that plane crash. He thought that he could sort of just figure it out. He thought that, that uh, if he could just see the lights or if he could just get over there, he'll be okay. And sometimes in life, you get in circumstances where you think, I'm just going to, I'll figure it out, I'll be okay. But really all that's happening is God saying, can you just trust me? It's at those times like a pilot has to trust his instruments because his, his conscience, his eyes is saying, no, no, I, I'm going right. I'm doing okay. And the instrument is saying, no, you're, you're losing ground. You're losing altitude. You need to go back up. You've got to trust the instrument at that point because there's nothing that your eyes can see of where you're going. It's the very same way in the Christian life. Difficult circumstances come and you've got to trust God. You just got to say, well, listen, I don't see what he's doing, but I trust that he knows what he's doing. Those times that your faith needs to be the strongest. So the first principle we find is this, that God allows circumstances, tough circumstances, like he did in Joseph's life, sometimes just to mold us. I want to give you a second principle, and that's this. Circumstances will always reveal our character. Matthew goes from his predicament to his person. He reveals Joseph's character. And let me just say, difficult circumstances always reveal the character that we have. You know, what you do in crisis always shows who you are following. It always reveals who you're following. If you're all about yourself and pride, let me tell you, in a crisis, it'll show. And you'll come crashing down. But if in a crisis, if you can put your faith in Christ and if you can just look at him and focus on him during that time, listen, he'll begin to work on your character and make your character stronger. That's what James chapter one is all about. James is telling those Christians there uh, in Jerusalem and others. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have a perfect work that ye may be perfect, that is mature and entire wanting nothing. James was saying this, listen, in those times, in those circumstances, when things get tough, be sure you know who you're following. Be sure you remind yourself, this is who I am following. This is what I need. 
J.C. Watts Jr. said, character is doing what's right when no one's looking. Let me just say, in those times of circumstances of difficulty, when life is trying and it's hard, it takes its toll on your character. And, and, and at those times, that's, that's when you've got to be someone of character. Someone that understands who you're following. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Peter's writing to a bunch of persecuted Christians. And he says, man, I know that a lot of the circumstances that you're facing weren't of your making. But it's in these circumstances that others can see the character of Christ in you. It's, it's now that you show people this is real. And who I'm following is real. And he is the son of God. And he is the reason for the season. It's the time there when you do that. If you know anything about horses, uh, Arabian horses are one of the, the best and greatest horses really that you can find. They're one of the strongest horses. But it's a, it's a funny way in, in which they, they, uh, they train them. There's a, there's a way that they train them, especially since they're in the desert, they're desert horses, uh, where uh, they, they try to train them to, to follow the master, uh, whoever the owner is, uh, at just a whistle, at just his voice, and to do that. And one of the ways that they do that is they, they begin to train them, obviously, and, and feed them and give them treats and give them what they need as, they, as they're training them to obey. But the ultimate and last, really, test of their training comes when they'll take the horses down, as they're there in the desert, to a place that has water. And they'll, they'll stop about 100 or, or so yards away, or, or perhaps more, and, and they'll let the horses go to the water. Of course, the horses at this point are very thirsty. They've been riding and, and going through uh, different exercises. And, and they let them go all the way to the water. And as they're approaching the water, and they're about to put their mouth into the, into the stream there, they'll blow the whistle or they'll call their name. And the ultimate test is leaving that water there, though they are thirsty, and going back to the owner. If they go back to the owner, the owner will lead them down to the water and they drink as much as they want. You know, upon reading that story, I, it, just, it just struck me that sometimes that's what difficult circumstances are all about. You get to a point where you think, I need this, I need this, I need this. And really what you need is to look at who's calling you. Look at who's, who you're following. If you can just do that, the Bible says, and he shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. God knows our needs today. God knows your circumstances today. And he wants you to just follow him. Remember who it is that we're following. Remember who it is that we're celebrating this Christmas season. It's not gifts and it's not Santa. It's Jesus Christ. I want to give you the third principle this morning, and it's this. Character is reflected by the choices that we make. Character is reflected by the choices that we make. You know, it's easy in those circumstances to say, man, I, I'm just, I, I believe God knows what he's doing and, I, and I, I'm trusting in God. And it's really sometimes easy to say that in those circumstances, but it's a lot harder to prove that. It's easy to say, oh, God loves me. God knows uh, where I'm at. It's harder to say, I'm going to get up at nine o'clock so I can be at church and hear God's word. 
It's harder to say, man, it's 6 o'clock Sunday night. I need to get to church. It's harder on Monday morning to say, I need to open my Bible and spend time with the Lord. You see, that character and, and Christ's character in our life is always revealed in the choices that we make. It could have been that Joseph was a good man, and Joseph was in a place where it wasn't of his own making. But at some point, Joseph was going to have to make a decision. Joseph could have said, I don't believe that. I think Mary cheated on me. I'm going to divorce her. He could have done that. But he would have missed out on his whole purpose of life. He would have missed out on the greatest blessing of his life. He would have missed in being with the Savior every day. He was with his Savior every day of his life to the day he died. That's amazing. But he had to make a choice. You know, obedience to God is always the response of right character. If you allow God to mold you, if you can just have faith in God and follow God and make choices to actually apply and live out what God's word says, you'll always receive God's blessing. But that choice is the big thing here. That's why John 14, 15, Jesus told the disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments. Joseph, uh, uh, Jesus said many times, why call ye me, master, or rabbi, and do not what I say. <laughs> I mean, what, what kind of followers are those that don't ever do what the person they're following says to do? <laughs> I mean, that's the exact opposite of what a follower is, right? And so many times as Christians, if we're not careful, we get to a point where in the crisis of life and the difficult circumstances, we slowly fade in our proving that we love God, in our proving of saying, I'm going to follow you, in our proving of saying, that is my focus. It's so easy in the Christmas season to forget all of that. It's so easy in the Christmas season to get caught up in everything else except what it really means. And what we're really celebrating. I don't know if you know the story of the Korean airline flight KE007. But it's an airline flight. It was a commercial airline flight. It was just making a, uh, a commercial uh, flight from one airport to the next. And uh, on that flight, uh, the pilot accidentally wandered off into Russian airspace. As they were in Russian airspace, of course, uh, there was a pilot that was guarding their airspace. And called it in and said that there's this you know, commercial airline there and they're trying to get a hold of it, and, and they didn't, and the, and the command came from the Russian authorities, just shoot it down. So the pilot shot down that plane. 240 passengers died after he threw that missile and blew up that commercial airline. What was sad was not only the tragic event of doing that, but the very next day, that pilot was going to speak at his sixth grade daughter's class on how to have peace in the world. 
It's a little ironic. It's a little bit backwards to say let's have peace and blow down a commercial air jet that has no weapons whatsoever. You know, sometimes in the Christmas season and sometimes in the Christian life, we do the very same thing. Oh, we may not do it physically, but in the choices that we make. We say, oh, yeah, yeah, I really love God. Yeah, I, I really want to celebrate Jesus, but you're never in his house, and you're never in his word, and you're never with his people. That would have been like Joseph saying, oh, oh, okay, and never receiving that child, and never taking Mary as his wife. You see, it's important for us to understand this morning that if we're going to be people that really celebrate Christmas, that we know the reason for this season is Jesus, then we need to apply these principles in our life. You understand, sometimes God lets circumstances come that are difficult. It's not of our making, but He's working on us. Got to remember, I got to just stay focused on Him during this time. Remember who it is that I'm following, if you will. And then make choices according to that. Joseph did. Joseph understood that in his life, that was the most important thing. How about you this morning? Is that the most important thing for you? Is that what your Christmas season is all about? I'll end with this. Um, missionary by the name of Adniram Judson graduated from college and from seminary, he received a, a call from a really nice and well-known church in, in Boston, Massachusetts at that time. And they called them, him to be their pastor. And, and of course, being that he was very well-educated and very well-eloquent, uh, they, they asked him if he would come and, and begin as an assistant pastor at the church. And, and he did, and everyone was congratulating him and, and saying, man, you're just the man for the spot. And maybe one day you'll be the, the head pastor of this church, and they have so much to offer you. But uh, at that time, his, his mother and his sister uh, were really happy. He was at home with them. He was there in Boston. They were, they were going to be able to just be together and stay together. And there came a point while he was there in, in Boston in that church working as an assistant pastor that God began to call him to the country of Burma. And at that time, he broke the news to his mom and to his sister and said, I, I just... He said, I, I got to go. This is, this is what God is calling me to do. This is my life's work. And, and they, they tried to tell him, Adoniram, come on, don't do this. And, and how do you know? Maybe, maybe this is a mistake. And, and he said this to them. He said, my work is not here. He said, God is calling me beyond the seas to stay here, even to serve God and his ministry. I feel, he said, would be only partial obedience. And I could not be happy in just doing that. I must go. As a result of Adoniram making that decision and going, by the end of his ministry there, there was more than 50,000 converts. 50,000 people came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because he made a decision to say, listen, I'm, I'm not here for me. I'm not here in this life to do what I want, but I'm following somebody. And I know the circumstances there will be rough. By the way, he lost his first wife there. I believe he even lost his second wife there in Burma. Circumstances were tough. But he made a decision. I know who I'm following. I know what I'm celebrating. I wonder you and I this morning, 
Do we know who we're celebrating this Christmas? Do we know what we are following? If you're going through a circumstance, can I encourage you? God's just working on you. Be patient. Trust him. God will work this Christmas more than he's ever worked before if you just will follow. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I, I thank you for the life of Joseph because, Father, there's so much to learn about you in this story. Just highlighting these principles of what Joseph has to face makes us realize this morning that we all have circumstances in our lives that aren't always pleasant. So, so many situations in our life that, that are difficult, that we don't understand, and we can't see what you're doing. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning to trust you during this time, to follow you. We, as, as Joseph did that day many years ago, that we would just be reminded of who we are following. And though it may not make sense, and, and though there might be reproach and mockeries and other things by other people, yet knowing what you have called us to do, may we do it. May we make choices in our life that would please you, that would lead us to your glory. Or that we would honor you, that we would glorify you and how we celebrate even this Christmas this year. We wouldn't get caught up in all the commercialism and other things that Christmas now can be associated with, but we would always be reminded that you are the reason why we celebrate. It is you who we follow. Father, I pray that you would speak to us, help us to apply this truth into our lives, and may we celebrate this season with the right kind of heart, the right kind of purpose, the right kind of vision. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 If we stand to our feet, just a quick reminder that we do have that 90 Degrees uh, Youth RV Park outing uh, this coming Saturday. So uh, as Pastor Jeremy mentioned earlier,